Hello, my favorite listener. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. We've seen the Supreme Court kind of hint that that might be the case. So to learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help. I'll drop links in the show notes as well. But I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Hey there, good people, cool things, podcast fans. It's your buddy Adam from Podcasting Business School. That's the podcast where I teach people about podcast launch, growth, and monetization strategies. Check out episode 220, where I help you discover where you're at in the podcasting success timeline. You are listening to the Good People, Cool Things podcast. And it's time to bring out your host, my pod pal, Joey Held. Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Marie Saba, author of the book, Don't Worry, Be Happy, which is all about food puns, food photography, and teaching us about some of the lovely items we can be cooking with as we grow our culinary expertise. Maria is a self-taught cook who started a cooking show way back when she was just 10 years old. She's come a long way since then and loves helping other people cook, explore the joys of food. We're talking all about that, where she gets her food pun ideas, why she's had so much success with it, some of her Instagram and YouTube marketing and content going on, all of that good stuff. If you have any inclination of being a creator of making content, sharing it with the world, definitely want to tune in because we got lots of good stuff going on in here. And if you'd like even more great content like this, head over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Sign up for the newsletter where you'll get all of these great episodes, plus so much more delivered to your inbox, but not at an annoying volume. You know how you sign up for some newsletters and you get like 16 emails before You've even blinked and, and fully hit, like, yes, I want more emails. You're not going to get any of that. You're just getting the good stuff and not at an alarming pace, which should give you a little bit of peace of mind to sit back and relax and enjoy this wonderful conversation with Marie. To kick it off, for people who maybe don't know all about the lovely world of food puns here, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? Okay. Um, my name's Marie Saba. And um, the elevator pitch for these food puns is, you know, there's been a lot of strife in the world and we all need a reason to smile. And this, you know, food puns, they're so fun. They're these little word puzzles that um, the whole family can enjoy. And when you guess them, it is just so satisfying. The elevator that we're in, we are in like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory (laughs) (laughs) headed somewhere. We don't know where (laughs) that sounds like such a fun place to be in aside from, you know, kind of the, I guess the deaths that a lot of people encounter while they're there, but right. That's right. Outside of that, outside of that, the rest of it sounds great. (laughs) Yes. So the, your, your book is on food puns, but you've kind of had more of a background around cooking and food and all of that. Do you, remember the the first thing that you cooked or like the first meal you had where it kind of made you take a step back and you're like okay let's let's explore this some more 
Well, I remember growing up um, here in Austin, Texas, my family shopped at, I think it was called, um, I don't know if it was called Whole Foods originally, but they would shop at, at Whole Foods, a little tiny store, and they just made everything from scratch. And so it, people were just always cooking in our house. It was just like, that's what you do. You just cook stuff. It was pancakes and, you know, all, I mean, everything, all, everything. So cooking was just a natural part of my growing up. My dad cooks, my brothers cook. And, um, so I don't have an exact memory of something that was like, this is what I want to, this is, this is it. But, uh, my, I think this is on my website. I don't know if you, if you saw, but my brother and I, my brother, Jim Heil, who is, um, he's three years older than me when we were, when we were kids and my mom was real strict on TV us not watching TV. So got real bored. And, um, my brother went over to public Austin public access and checked out some, uh, video equipment, brought it home and we decided to film a cooking show. And so I was 10, he was 13. I was the host and he was, he filmed it and it was horrible. It was like, <laughs> Bob Ross, but worse. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing and there were many times in the, in the show where I would start a recipe and wouldn't finish. We ran out of time. There's my baby brothers in the background, but there was something about it where it was just these, it was so simple and it was so just real public access ended up airing it for over 20 years. It was called kids, kids cooking. And I actually remember seeing it when I was in a dorm in college. So, uh, and uh, <laughs> someone recognized me from it. I don't know what that says, but <laughs> um, so that really made a huge impact on me as far as I can and I like teaching people how to cook really simple things. And it was all very easy. I mean, it was, I was so young. It was like, if I could do it, of course you could do it. And that really has been kind of the common thread throughout my life. I love teaching people um, how to cook. And so I have written a cookbook and uh, have a website and a YouTube channel and Instagram where I teach people that cooking is really fun and really easy. And I think this food pun book kind of came just from being in the kitchen all the time, being with kids, being around food. It um, kind of evolved from that. Okay, I definitely want to talk about the book, but as yeah, someone who who I this was maybe five years ago, I started a food blog for sort of similarish reasons of like wanting to know how to cook more. Yeah. Uh, I would say I definitely do less teaching um, because I didn't really have that much of a background in cooking, but I was like, I'd love to to kind of learn and and you know make some mistakes along the way because that's part of the fun of it too. So for people yeah. that are are maybe kind of like how I was back then of, yeah. uh, we'll call them kitchen newbies for lack of a better right. word. What right. are some of kind of your, your starter tips for, for how they can get in and, and explore the wonderful world of cooking? Yes. And really, I am self-taught. I have not gone, didn't go to culinary school. So really, as you said, about, it's about making mistakes. I mean, everything I know is based on mistakes that I've made. Um, you know, of course, it just is. Every time you try a recipe, you know, you create a recipe, it's like, okay, I don't want to do that again. Do something else. So um, as far as getting uh, into the kitchen and getting some confidence in the kitchen, um, there are some basic recipes that I think it's really good to start with. Um, rice 
is a surprisingly complicated for a lot of people. Um, if so you can learn to cook that and I've got a really good method. So, but rice, um, eggs, you know, a few different kinds of fried eggs. I think a salad dressing is a really important recipe. Um, and then maybe a good uh, seared steak or fish. And then you kind of feel like you can, you could put together a meal. You could maybe buy a side and then make a salad and sear some fish and that you make the rice and you kind of starting to build some confidence. So it's just like having a few basic recipes. You don't have to know everything. Um, but if you get some basics down, you'll start to build that confidence and, and start to enjoy that feeling of this is really good. This is better than going out. I get to share this with my friends and see them enjoy it. And that I think kind of builds on each other, you know, on itself. Do you have a favorite tool that you use in the kitchen? We were like, I can't live without this. Yes. Um, two couple. I just did a video on my, it's actually my 20 kitchen essentials. And I broke it up into two pieces. And so it's hard to be hard for me to narrow it down to one from 20 because I really <laughs> think those 20 are essential. But one of them that um, I love is a fish spatula. It's this spatula about smaller than most like big kitchen spatulas. It's maybe a foot or less. And uh, it kind of bends in the front and it's real easy to fit under fish. It's real easy to, it's real thin and metal. I just use it for everything. It's small and I love it. It's, it's real easy to maneuver. So I love that. It's kind of a random thing. The other thing I love is a really good pair of tongs. Um, I use them all the time, tossing salads, moving things, tossing things, uh, grabbing, you know, things off a hot fire. So um, some little things like that. And these are, these are so inexpensive. You don't need a lot of fancy stuff. I do think you need a, a good quality chef knife. And the real test for that is one that feels good in your hand. Uh, if you get one and it just feels too big or too long or one that feels too heavy, you want to avoid it. So, but again, you don't need to spend a lot of money. Just some, some there's some basics that, that can just, you know, get you on the right track. No broadswords in the kitchen or anything. No, like no, none of that. <laughs> Be a great scene to watch, but I'm sure very, very right. Candy, I, right. There probably is an Instagram with someone who can, you know, dice up meat in the air with broadswords. Yeah, that's not, not not really my thing. Yeah, if not, someone listening, make it right? happen. Make it go viral. <laughs> it sounds pretty cool. I mean, it's just so cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I second the pair of tongs. Um, as someone that did not have a good pair for a long yes. while, I, it, it's one of those things you don't really know you're missing it until you use a yes. good pair. And then you're like, oh, oh, how have I navigated? Without yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I go through on my little video, there are some tongs that I do not like, like do not get the ones with the silicone tips. Those will melt. Do not get that. You want metal tips. And you want a little locking mechanism in the back. That's for me. So it's not popping open, which <laughs> mine have done and other, other kinds of done. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm uh, really picky on my tongs. The least fun <laughs> jack in the box when they, when they pop open. I'm like, this is, I don't need this. I don't yeah, need no, this. <laughs> no, exactly. Go in the trash. You mentioned yeah. your book, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Yes. So P-E-A. Yes. Uh, and it's it's like when I first heard the concept of it's a book of food puns, I was kind of thinking like, okay, it's going to be kind of like a list of puns, but you sort of made it almost almost like a challenge book for people where it's like, 
hey, here's some food photography on top of the puns. And then part of the joy of it is figuring out what the puns are. So was that always kind of the the concept you wanted to make? Was that, uh, you know, like, how do you how do you come up with your pun ideas? Is there a favorite one that you have out of the list? I know yeah. there's several questions thrown all yeah. you at once, but there's lots <laughs> <Yeah>. to talk about. <laughs> right. Um, no, and you got the, you really captured my book well. I think it is, it was supposed to be really lovely food photography and really highlight these beautiful real foods. Um, a lot of puns are just hand-drawn or um, so I thought this was a really kind of unique concept with the actual real foods in there, which I'll talk more about and how, why that's so good for, for kids to flip through and learn. Um, but let me real quickly, how I came up with the puns and how they started as this sort of cha- puzzle challenges rather than just the puns just set out for you. Um, my kids, we have two, I have two young kids, um, Jack and Elaine and they're, uh, they were younger at the time, but we, uh, it was almost Valentine's day and we had to buy Valentine's for all their classes. And so we went to the grocery store, looked for Valentine's, couldn't find any that we liked. My kids didn't like them. So we said, you know what, we'll just go home and make some our own this year. And so we went home and I had these little letter cookies. And so we put them out on this, you know, marble I have from food photography. And we said, we put, came up with like, I am bananas for you was the first one. Cause they were kind of, they were supposed to be Valentine's for these grade schoolers. And so it said, I am bananas for you. And then we did one that said, I am nuts for you with some nuts in there. And then we did, we are meant to be with a sprig of mint. So we made several of these that we were going to use as Valentine's. And just for fun, I put them over my Instagram, which is at Marie Saba. We put them on there and I think it was within a few hours Bon Appetit magazine uh, emailed me and said, we love your food, Valentine's. We'd like to do a story. <laughs> Are you doing more? And we were like, well, I guess we're doing more. <laughs> you know? So um, from there, we just, so then it was like, okay, what else can we do? And we thought of uh, um, trying to think of some of the early ones. Um, one of them was you make me melt and it was a melting ice cream. That one was a tough one. People didn't get that quite as well, but Anyway, we kind of went from there. We just kept making new. And so what was fun about it on Instagram was that, um, you know, when you're scrolling, something's got to make you stop. And these puzzles, people stopped because it was like, oh, I want to figure this out. It's not just, you know, they really sat there and figured it out. And then they comment with the answer. And then a lot of people suggested new ones that I did end up using. And so um, it it actually became you know, it was unique and different to have this challenge on Instagram rather than just photography. Um, and I think that's one of what, uh, made them so uh, interesting to people. So we've been doing them since then. Um, and they just, we, and I keep thinking, you know, I'm going to run out of food pun ideas. Like really, this is the last one, (laughs) but I realize what you do is you just change categories so we've done all the food Valentine's one are all I could think of for now. And then so we now in the book, there's categories like celebrity names. Once you add that in there, you have Brad Pitt with an avocado pit. Um, you have one of my favorites. It's uh, Claire Danes. It's E. Claire Danes. Ooh. A nice a Claire, a Claire Danes. So and then, you know, we run out of those. And so you go, what's the next category? We did cartoon characters. 
And um, one of my favorites is in there and it's, it's capital P and then the pasta called Noki mm. and then an O. So it's Pinocchio. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so it just, there's tourist attractions. There's um, kind of a slang that you might see on Instagram. There's one that says on fleek and it's with a leak. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, let's see, what was I going to say? Um I can't remember. Remind me of another one of the questions that you asked. Uh, yeah, let's see if I remember. <laughs> How we came up with them, uh, the, the puzzle factor. And well, I was going to add too, um, is that the since these came from, we made these with my children originally, th- this whole book is designed to be fun for the whole family. It's family friendly. And I, two things really of why it was been so good for my children. One is to learn all these different vegetables. You learn, you see pomegranate, leek, you know, sugar snap peas, uh, gnocchi. And so you, even if you're not able to serve your kids all of that every day, you're just learning about all these different foods, which I think is really valuable. And the second thing that was valuable for us was that my son is dyslexic. And part of what part of dyslexia, it's different for everyone, but for him, uh, his, he had a very hard time associating sounds with uh, letters. And so having these letter cookies and then a food in place of a sound or blend of sounds was so helpful for him to learn um, these sounds. So you know, if you have kids who are starting to learn to read or starting to learn sounds and, and also what a great way to them for, to learn different, different ways to kind of mishmash things together, you know, food and words and jokes. And I, I just think so many, so many things are good for kids and all of us to just kind of think outside the box. Yeah, I think that's a super cool, uh, maybe not even an intended uh, result of of things, but then you see it happen and it's like, oh, that's that's awesome. Is there any food or drink or, or anything like that that you haven't used that you're like, I, I want to try and get this in here? Uh, there's a couple. Let me think here. If I have, you know, I really wanted to use hummus because it's so popular. And so I've really been trying to think of one for that. The only thing I can think of is like Hamas, but that doesn't, it's not a (laughs) funny (laughs) kid friendly. (laughs) So if y'all have any ideas on how to use hummus in a food pun, reach out to me. I would love to know that one. And then I feel like butternut has Mm. to be in there somewhere. I haven't come up with a really a phraser for that yet. So, but butternut squash, um, so I'm sure there's there's tons more. Yeah, now my brain is. <laughs> You're going to be in the kitchen well, now. I'm being like, huh, tomato. Yeah, I'll think of it at like 2 a.m. <laughs> this morning. I'll just pop out that's, of bed and be like, that's it. <laughs> that's how it works. Well, that's what's interesting to me is that um, I think a lot about creativity and where what it is, where it comes from. And um, I think a lot of that is when your brain is sort of not consciously thinking, you know, a lot of people say they're most creative when they're exercising or when they're in the shower, when they're falling asleep. And so, um, I, 
I think that is probably when people come up with creative ideas. Like that's, that's why you get them in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I think that segues nicely into another question that I always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And for you, it's how has motherhood influenced your creative pursuits? And I think you've touched on it a little bit, but I'm sure there's, right. there's more creativity there. Yeah. Well, now that my kids are a little older, what I, what I really like love about this question is that um, I think when I was first a younger mother, I would have, I was really wanting, like, I need some time away so I can work on my stuff. I need space. You know, it's like they're separate. But what I've really learned is so much of this book is because of them. And I mean, they thought up some puns. They were the Valentine, the reason, you know, I was there with them. The Valentine's was the reason we started this. Um, and I remember one time I was struggling to come up with another food Valentine and I had, uh, I wanted to put like be mine, you know, as it's a common Valentine. So I was thinking and thinking and thinking, I couldn't think of it. And my daughter was like, come read to me, come read to me. So I went to read a story to her. It was Fancy Nancy, this popular book. Anyway, the the main character's best friend's name is Bree. And so I was sitting there reading and I was like, Bree, Bree, that's it. Bree mine. And it, once again, it was just a reminder that just, you know, dive in with the kids and, and it's not going to be all planned out, like, like, you know, and organized, like you, you want, you think it needs to be, but there's so much richness there and there's so much creativity and there's so much, that just that they have to offer. And so, um, I less and less now as I'm older, I, I, I welcome them in like, what do you think of this? You know, come help me with this. And because they, they have great ideas. And I actually read recently a, a Harvard study that studied five-year-olds. They did a creativity study on five-year-olds and they were creative geni geniuses. According to the study, they ranked creative genius and I think the reason was that they they don't know they aren't already taught to dis disassociate certain things like they already they weren't already taught to not put food and words together you know they weren't already taught to that no you you, you know you can't make a volcano out of your mashed potatoes like they're still doing that <laughs> and um, so I feel like it's actually as close as you can get to that little bit of creative genius is, um, you're, you're just really fortunate to have that. So as a, in hindsight, as a, as a old, as a kind of like older mother now, I, I look back and I think, well, wish I'd known that a little earlier, but. I know. I think, I feel like I read something sort of like on, on a related sort of study of like our, our brains are most adaptive and receptive to new ideas when we're like two to four or three to five, something like that. But oh, for sure. because we're so yeah. young, we like don't always know how to fully capitalize on that. So that it's right. like, yeah, it's great to look back and be like, ah, I would have, would have loved this information when I was that old. And I could have. Right. <laughs> yes. Who knows what I could have done with it. So yeah, I just think um, it's easy to, to kind of get tired of your kids and your kids craziness and, and everything, but, but they really do have so much to offer. So. So you've got the book has a hundred food puns in it, right? And I'm, you know, there's more to come, obviously, down the road. Are there other sort of uh, whether whether it's related to cooking or or something else that you're working on? Mm -hmm. There are other projects that you're like, okay, 
this is this is my next focus now. <laughs> you know, um, I really want to write another cookbook. Uh, so that is kind of in my focus. I am not sure exactly what I want to call it and what the exact topic is going to be, but I, I would really love to write another cookbook that really kind of encompasses everything I've been doing over the past 10 years in the kitchen. So that's my next goal. Um, as far as the pun stuff, we do have um, spatulas with the food puns on them and oven mitts and some other merch that's been really fun. But And then so possibly broaden that line like to mouse pads or um, baby clothes or something like that. <laughs> but um, other than that, I'm just still working on my YouTube channel, trying to grow that. And then hopefully the cookbook is that's that's what's in mind right now. Fantastic. Now, with the YouTube channel, I think that's, I mean, YouTube has been a thing for, I believe it, it gets its driver's license this year. I think it started in 2006, <laughs> if I wow. have my dates correctly. I uh -huh. And I remember telling someone back when I was more involved on YouTube that I had started my channel in 2007. And this was, I don't know, maybe like 2011 or 2012. They're like, oh, so you're a pro at this, right? And I was like, no, I just started a channel to like favorite videos. I hadn't made anything yet. <laughs> right. And they were just like, ah, oh, well, then blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah. So, but YouTube is like, obviously, I mean, this is true of anything that's been around for 16 years. It's evolved over time. Now it's it's become a platform for people to connect with really anyone in a in an you know, in a certain interest or, or category or anything like that. And food in particular is such a, like a cultural thing. And like, a you know, it, it has special meanings um, for, for all different kinds of people. So what have you found has, has worked well with your YouTube channel? And is there something that you thought maybe was going to work pretty well and ended up not doing so well? Gosh, it has been a, it's this, a, a very uphill um, battle <laughs> for me. It is because I, I, I do Instagram and have a pretty big following there. And I feel like I kind of had it figured out and kind of knew and, and was posting and interacting and it was growing. And, and so I kind of felt like I knew what I was doing, went over to YouTube and it's just a totally different beast. And um, I film all my own shows and do the cooking and the lighting. And the, so it's, I had to figure all that out, the te technical aspects of it. So please do not go and watch my <laughs> first 10 shows. I mean, it's painful. Um, that's one of the hard parts about it is like, even looking back five videos, I'm like, oh, cringe. Um, but now I kind of feel like I've gotten the technical aspect figured out, which is so important because it's going to set you apart. If you have good lighting and good sound, and, you know, good video quality. That is huge. Um, beyond that, thumbnails. I didn't realize the importance of thumbnails, you know, for your click-through rates. And um, what has worked, I would say I still don't know exactly what works yet. Um, I think what I've what I've learned here's like an insider tip I guess is that you uh, ideally you make your video around ten minutes which sounds insanely long, but what's surprising is if people are going to watch your video they generally watch about thirty percent, whether your video is one minute or five five minutes or ten minutes. So if they're watching thirty percent of a ten minute video, that's a lot more watch time. Then YouTube likes that. So all as, as sort of uncomfortable as it is 
to make a 10 minute video, um, it actually does work and it, um, you can increase your watch time and therefore get closer to monetization, all the things. So there's a lot of like technical kind of things you have to know to not probably don't have to, but, uh, are, are helpful to know. But so I basically, I don't feel like I really figured it out yet. Um, the other thing that's interesting about YouTube to me is that it having the longer format, this is where people go when they want to learn a specific skill, like chocolate chip cookies in one bowl. You know, they'll Googling for that specific thing often. And so, um, which is, it's different than your marketing, the, your approach to YouTube. Um, so it's what I'm saying is it's just, it's different. I'm still learning, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy it because I really do feel like I can teach and have a lot of detail and really explain for someone that really wants to learn. And that's, that's who I'm trying to reach there. Yeah. And I think that at least in my YouTube experience, for because you, you kind of touched on this, like there's very different uses of YouTube. For right. People right. that are looking up how to do yes. something. I, I, this is my, my kind of like, classic example of this i have a chevy malibu which has all kinds Uh of weird weird quirks to it and one of the things is the way you reset the oil filter to tell you like how much oil you have left yes it's kind of weird it's like a you know should be pretty easy but it's kind of a a process to do it and i remember i after getting an oil change one time they hadn't reset it so it was still saying i had like nine percent oil life or whatever so i was like okay how do i fix this so that i can and it's it's not complicated it's just like not what you would expect but Going on to YouTube, I had to go through like three or four videos until I finally found one that just told you how to do it. It didn't have like a six minute prelude of, right. of like, you know, I, I grew up with cars, like a, right. my, my granddaughter's named Chevy. Like, I, I don't need right. that. I just want the answer. And, yes. and all of the comments on that video were, were along the lines of, thank you. Thank for you. I needed this. this. Like, thank you yes. for just having the, the tutorial of like how to do it. And I think right. to to your point of like YouTube has I uh, kind of like its algorithm promotes the longer videos now, but yes. I think there's there's still value in like the content still needs to be there. Like you for can't, sure, you can't for just sure, make you can't it, just yeah. drag it out to death. Yeah. Don't <laughs> do that. No, no, no. Yeah, you've got yes. With something I've also learned, no, you've got to have every every minute has to be valuable in there, or people aren't going to stick around. Um, you know, I wouldn't either. You wouldn't either. So yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. You've got to make really, really valuable content, um, just a little more in depth if it, if it, if it lends itself to that. But. Valuable content and actually answer the question, which right. is, is right. perhaps the most frustrating. It's I'll fully right. watch a video and I was just like, I feel less, right. less informed than when I started. This. Right. I know my husband watched one to fix our vacuum cleaner and it was, it was 25 minutes long and but somewhere in the in the middle there, he did answer the question. But <laughs> just took this a while. guy was passionate about melee vacuum, so <laughs> it's it's interesting. You know, it takes all kinds out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Marie, you're almost off the hook, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And I'm kind of curious about this because we had on a, a previous episode, uh, I interviewed an author who had written a semi-fictionalized book of living next door to the Beatles in the 60s. Wow. So he gave his top three Beatles songs. So I'm curious to see yeah. how how the two of yours stack up because you'd like to do your top three Beatles songs. 
I will. Um, and my husband's in a band and so, and loves the Beatles. So we play a lot of Beatles around my house. Um, he's way more the song guy than I am, but I do have my top three. Um, my number one is let it be. And quick story behind that, that it is my number one is because I had a version of my daughter singing that with her friend on playing a ukulele recorded on my iPhone. And I played that song to my mom in hospice last year and held her hand. And she was really unable to talk or do anything, but could, she could hear my daughter singing, let it be. And it was a moment that I will never forget. So let it be. Uh, uh, here comes the sun. Every time I hear it, I just feel hope and just excitement. So uh, here comes the sun. And the other one is uh, we can work it out. Just feels appropriate right now in the world. And um, I I just love to hear that. You know, we can work it out. No need for the fighting and fussing. Love it. Here comes the sun is definitely a top three for mine as well. All, I mean, all of those are great choices. So it's would, hard. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to pick. Yeah. So. There's definitely there's definitely a few where I was like, okay, this would never make my top list. But well, let me yeah. ask you real quick the uh, a day in the life. Yes. Are you a fan? It's all right. No, <laughs> yeah. I am not. Yeah. I am not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, uh, the one that uh, people get annoyed when I say I don't like it is Hey Jude. I think that song goes on for way too long. I and, am with yeah. you. I don't like it either. My husband loves it. One of his favorites, but I'm with you. I mean, it's a nice sentiment, but. Yes. Also, yes. No, John Lennon, not the uh, <laughs> the uh, beacon of good person, I guess. Uh, in right, personal right, life, right. We don't have to go yeah. down that road. It's fine. It's a, yeah. it's a fine song, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, if people want to check out a copy of the book or they want to, I know the uh, the cookie recipe you kind of touched on is on your website. Right. So where can people yes. go to find you? My website, mariesaba.com, or you can find me on Instagram at mariesaba. And then the book is on Amazon. It's on my website, wherever books are sold. And yeah, that's the best way to reach me. And I look forward to hearing from y'all. And thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Go out, listen to some Beatles songs, cook something great. And of course, we have to end with a corny joke, as we always do. And it's double topical. I always try to make it topical to the episode, but also <laughs> I just went to Las Vegas for the first time. So spending a lot of time I, you know, with neon lights all over the place. Why right. couldn't the sesame seed leave the casino? I don't know why. Because it was on a roll. Nah. today, people. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.